0: All right, well, Galatians chapter 5, we're going to just look at two verses, verses 13 and 14 this morning as we continue the idea of one another in this series, and this morning's, we're going to look at the idea of serve one another. And uh, I think, uh, Lord willing, this may be our final uh, lesson in this series. I do have a, a few other thoughts, I just haven't got the Lord's clear direction yet, but... Um, We'll see uh, this week as I study for next week what the Lord does. But um, <clears throat> we need one another. That's right. God has brought us here together uh, to support and to encourage and to strengthen one another. And as we'll see today, we ought to be serving one another. Um, I think perhaps the idea of serving one another uh, best characterizes uh, the essence of Christian ministry More than any of the one another's, Uh, as we serve and as we labor. And we no doubt see that in the example of our Savior. And we'll look at that a little bit this morning. But let's begin by reading verses 13 and 14 in Galatians chapter 5. It says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor. As thyself. And so, of course, this morning we're going to be looking at uh, primarily the latter part of verse 13. It says, But by love serve one another. As I mentioned, I I think you could say that serving one another is really the essence of Christian ministry. What is ministry? Serving. Uh, And so the idea of serving one another. uh, But before we look at that uh, there's a little bit of background or maybe some context of this passage and so obviously following Paul's successful ministry there in Galatia uh, there were Judaizers those that uh, taught that salvation and sanctification is by faith in Christ plus works Uh, they were teaching that you had to keep certain points of the law or even all the law in some cases and so they were insistent that the Gentiles that were converted to Christianity follow some of the Old Testament practices. And um, uh, specifically, and especially circumcision, probably in this case. But uh, verse, or chapter 2 and verse 4, it says that there were those that came in unawares. Uh, in other passages, we, we, they use the term crept in unawares. But there's some teaching that came in unawares. And uh, Paul goes on later in that chapter, and then in chapter 3, and he kind of deals with those false teachings and those that are, that are causing the dissimulation. Uh, that are subverting the things. and uh, But again, in chapter 5, Paul says this, ye did run well who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth. Uh, so Paul, and he goes on in, in our, ch- in our <clears throat> chapter here in verse 1, uh, to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. But he's uh, encouraging them <clears throat> that they are not in bondage to the law anymore. And, and so really, he just addresses this false teaching that's going on and um he's trying to get them back on the right path to uh, serve Christ in uh biblically or the gospel in truth. But verse chapter two, verse let's just look at these verses. I want you to see these just so you kind of understand some of the context of what's going on. And it says, and that because a false brethren unaware is brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which is uh, which we have in Christ Jesus, that we might bring that excuse me, that they might bring us into bondage. And so they had uh, a specific purpose in mind. But ver- and let's read verses five through six here as well. It says, to whom uh, we gave place, but uh, by subjection, not uh, for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But uh, of these, we seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were. It maketh no matter to me. God accepteth no man's person. For they who seem to be of somewhat uh, conference uh, added nothing to me. And so the Apostle Paul in verse 7 goes on, it says, But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, and as the gospel of circumcision unto Peter. And so they started, there was this issue going on here, and, and he's kind of addressing it, and uh, <clears throat> he deals with that really kind of primarily in, in chapter 2, and, and he kind of covers those things. And so later on, as we get into chapter 5, he brings on that verse one that I just read a moment ago. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not again, or be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And so, he's really emphasizing, hey, these are false teachings. Um, he gives some examples in verse sixteen in chapter two, and it says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified. By the faith of Christ, then not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So the Apostle Paul is is really just refuting this. Uh, But then we come to this part in chapter 5 that we're going to look at today uh, about our liberty in Christ. And what I would say today is everybody is a slave. Um, Either we're a slave to the law, uh, perhaps we're a slave to our flesh. Or we are a slave to Christ and consequently to the service of others. Uh, Or we at least ought to be the latter. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Uh, So the the law has no hold on us. Um, Our flesh, we've been freed in Christ from the bondage of sin in our flesh. So we can live in victory. We can live uh, as Christ intended us to live. Which leads us to living a life of service. To others, and so I would say, perhaps uh, we don't may not use that terminology very often, but that is exactly what it's meant here. And we'll, I'm kind of getting ahead of my notes, um, but that word "serve" means to be a slave. So when it says to serve others, and so we'll look at it here in a few moments, but the idea there is is that their concerns and things are more important than ours, and we're going to set our preferences and things aside. Uh, that we might uh, be able to more effectively serve those people. But um, <clears throat> again, in verse 1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. So there's, I would say, two basic forms of legalism. You know, there's those that teach salvation is by uh, faith plus works. You know, you have to earn this thing. But we saw in verse chapter 2 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul refuted that. He said by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. There's nothing to be gained in there. And so that, in in the context of Galatians here, they were adding circumcision. Uh, and they were wanting these uh, folks to be circumcised that had uh, said that they had received Christ. And so, but what I think is more common in our today is we demand others to follow the rules that God has never intended for us. What we have done in, in many places that I've seen is we uh, have made our preferences the priority. Uh, And we begin requiring people to conform to what we think Christianity ought to look like. And that's not the liberty that we have in Christ. And so I I think in in our churches today, we would agree that there is no uh, form or necessity to keep the law. Salvation is by Christ and Christ alone. I think we would make that. But oftentimes, if people don't do things the way we do them, we will make an assumption, well, they're probably not in Christ. And so we take our preferences and we hold people accountable to things that God never intended. And we need to be very careful about that. And uh, some people might call that legalism in our churches. And and listen, if you've been in church any length of time, you've seen it. Uh, I don't think I have to convince anybody of that. But then there's also, I talked about the bondage of the flesh. So we can have bondage. Uh, Paul says, don't be, you know, taken up in the yoke uh, of bondage with the law, but also he says, don't use your liberty and as occasion to the flesh. Mm -hmm. So the the opposite of the law is we have a license to do whatever we want. Boy, I'm saved. I can just do whatever I want. I can live however I want. And that's not what Christ or God intended at all. Mm -hmm. So the flesh is, is the sinful nature that we have born with it. Uh, Psalm 51 5, behold, I was shapen in iniquity and sin. Did my mother conceive me? And so, the result of, of just indulging our flesh uh, or this idea of license that we can kind of do whatever we want because we have Christ, uh, God never intended that. Uh, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. And look what he says only not use liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Don't use this as an excuse, don't use this as an opportunity to please yourself. And conversely, we'll see that it's to serve others. But uh, verse 2 goes on, or Romans 6, 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul goes on there and says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We have been freed from the power of sin in our lives. So we don't don't have to live according to this. So uh, we're free from the bondage of the law. We're free from the bondage of sin. But we are not free from the responsibility to serve. So we still really are in bondage. I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down. I feel like I'm kind of disjointed this morning. But um, Scripture teaches that Christ came to minister not to be ministered to. That's our Savior. He came to minister. We also know that Paul wrote that the love of Christ constraineth us. The love that Christ had constrains us. Uh, them to continue to serve God and to to reach the lost. I submit to you this morning that in Christ we are freed from the law, freed from sin, but freed to serve. We are freed to serve. Ultimately, this freedom is to serve the Lord. However, how will this be manifested? We will see it as we serve others. Yes, it's serving the Lord, but we will see it as we serve others. But by love, serve one another. So the simple question this morning is, are you serving? Have you enslaved yourself to the service of the Lord and to the service of the people? And in this context here, it's to to one another, uh, to the body of Christ, I would say. And we'll look at some things. I think it includes our neighbor, anyone around us. Uh, But have you enslaved yourself to ministry? I'm afraid in our churches there's a lot of folks filling the seats. But at times there's voids of where we need service to be done. And so as we serve one another that may be doing something personally for an individual. Absolutely. Brother Foley, he's got a flat tire. He's getting up in years. I'm a little younger. I can change his tire. I'm serving Brother Foley. But it... But it also can be viewed as when folks come in and clean the church. They're serving others, even though it's not visible and not seen. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ways that we can serve that don't necessarily need to be personal one-on-one service. Uh, And so I just want to challenge you this morning. You need to be serving. Mm -hmm. If we are not careful, we may sit happily and smugly in our born-again condition and never grasp our Lord's intention that we would be set free to serve one another in love. We have been freed from the bondage that we might serve one another. I think for many today, and probably throughout history I could say, uh, their spiritual lives become stagnant because they haven't shared the abundance of what God has given them. The abundance of love that God shed in their lives. The abundance of of grace and mercy that God's done. Uh, Instead they kind of hoard what they've received of God. I know you've heard the idea they just sit around on their blessed assurance. They're content not doing anything for anybody. Uh, It's a very self-centered way to live. Uh, They just hoard things to themselves. But this is not how it should be. Because we we serve by love is what our text says here this morning. And I want to remind you of John 13, 34 and 35. We've looked at this a few times over the course of this. Uh, this series, but it says, it is the Lord's intent that we be channels of his love. Look at this. John 13, 34, and a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. So all of that love, that goodness that you've received from God in Christ, we ought to be sharing with other people. And we can do that in the form of serving other people. Just as the Dead Sea is so named because it cannot support fish or plant life without outlets, we need to develop outlets through which God's grace and goodness can flow to other people. Don't be a Dead Sea. Uh, Don't just exist for existing sake and and being content where you're at. Listen, you're called to serve. Uh, God's called each one of us to serve one another. Uh, and, and here it is in my notes. I kind of got ahead of myself. Uh, the word serve here means to be a slave to. To enslave yourself to the service of others is the idea. Uh, and, it, and it can be voluntary or involuntarily. And in this case, when we talk about having liberty in Christ or freedom, we take the liberty that we have and voluntarily submit ourselves to the service of others. The kind of life required of a slave is a life lived entirely for others. When you're a slave, you don't do much because you feel like you're wanting to do it. If anything. When you think of bondage or slavery, someone that's enslaved doesn't decide when they're going to get up and go to the field to work. The master is dictating every aspect of their life. And so this morning, what I would say to you is, if other people aren't dictating how you serve, you're not doing it right. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you just you know, bow down and, and you just do every beck and call of everyone that you come in contact with. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, because Christ served and met the needs that people had if that makes sense. So he, he targeted those things that he was going to accomplish for them because it was needful for them. Most notably, our salvation. He died in our place. And so, uh, <clears throat> but the reality is, if we're going to do this properly, it's going to inconvenience us. That's right. It's going to take our time. It's probably going to cost us some money. Mm-hmm. Because if we're going to minister... It's going to cost. Uh, it's it's not free. That, at least that's what I've learned in my Christian life. And oftentimes, if you have nothing else, you have time. Not everybody has the same wealth. Not everybody has the same talents. But we all have the same 24 hours a day. Yeah. Right. And so the reality is, it may just be time on your... listen. And I think I've mentioned this, but the Lord keeps beating me up about it. Sometimes I just, I'm, I'm task-oriented, I want to get something done. And I neglect to look at the needs of others, and I miss opportunities to serve. We need to be careful. And I'll give, hopefully, Lord willing, as I get through this, I got some practical applications uh, that we can do here. But um, listen, you need to voluntarily enslave yourself. The love of Christ constrains us. Don't forget all that God has done for you. And he calls you to do that for others. And this service flows out of love. By love indicates that the love is the means of our service. So understanding the great love that God has for us, that's what is the means that motivates us to do this. Uh, Listen, you're not going to be able to do it in your own power. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Listen, and we all know this, the entire law is summed up in the single command, love your neighbor as yourself. We see that in Galatians 5.14 that we looked at. You can see it in Leviticus 19. You can see it in Mark and and really throughout the Gospels. Uh, Did not Paul say that we were free from the law? Uh, Listen, we are not to simply follow an external list of rules, but an internal compulsion of love. That's what it's all about. Uh, and that love is placed in us by the Spirit. But when we're quickened to alive, uh, we have the Spirit. And in, in Romans 13, 8 through 10, I think sums it up pretty good. It says this in Romans 13 O oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment it is briefly comprehended in this saying namely thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself love worketh no ill to his neighbor therefore love is the fulfilling of the law there's over 600 commands i believe 613 18 in the law listen i don't have them all memorized but you can fulfill them all by doing this one thing. If we do this one thing, the scriptures, God tells us that we will be right in all points. Boy, it's simple. Why do we complicate it so? Because we get selfish. We get in the flesh. Oh boy! Oh, boy. So, look at this. 613. That's what I thought, but I left it generic 600, and, but anyway, and so who's your neighbor? You know, we know the, the good Samaritan and, and the one that, that took care of the man, the Lord says was the good Samaritan, and actually the, the people that were questioning him said, well, I suppose the guys that, that took care of him were his neighbor, and so <clears throat> listen, we ought to be loving and serving everybody. Self-love is natural and instinctive. Loving others and serving others is not. And so I think the context of our passage is, is more specific to the household of faith when we talk about loving one another. Certainly this applies to loving our neighbors and those things. But listen, if we can't love one another here, we're not going to be effective witnesses for our Savior. John 13. How many times have we looked at that? If they see our love, they're going to know that we're Christ's disciples. We're going to be different. Self-love is that natural and distinctive thing. And so we ought to love others the same way that we love ourselves. That's a tall order. And again, we can't do it in our own power. It, 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 we, in the passage here, we're not really focused on the, this whole whole passage, but um, in verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Why does he say that? Because in verse 14, the natural thing is this, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. He said the natural thing is you're just gonna be consuming each other. Uh, these things here that we see, the lust of the flesh and, and those things and all the list there for, through verses 19 down uh, that give us all those things. Those are the things that will come naturally to us. But we must walk in the Spirit. Amen. This I said, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we don't have to worry about being subject to our sinful nature if we would just walk, if we would yield to the Spirit of God. Right. <clears throat> it takes time to develop that. It doesn't come naturally. Jesus perfectly demonstrated service, did he not? In chapter 2, uh, verse 20, he ends the verse and it says, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ's love brought about the greatest sacrifice that anyone could give. He gave his life. Uh, he served perfectly, if you will. Christ took on the form of a servant. Philippians 2 says he took up upon the form of a servant. Listen, that's not what our flesh wants. We want the position of notoriety or the position of notice, the prominence. We want the upper seats, the chief seats. But if we're going to do this right, we have to put ourselves low like our Savior did. Uh, Be willing to be a servant. John 13, 4 and 5, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured pourth out water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. That's the job of a servant in their culture. That wasn't the job of the master, the Lord. Verses 12 through 15, it says, So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye not what I I have done to you? Ye call me master and Lord, And ye say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. We ought to be willing to subject ourselves to service. But I'm afraid too oftentimes we, in our pride, think we're better than that. We're above that, perhaps. That's for somebody else to do. We need to be careful. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So our Savior's example, listen, if you want to call yourself a disciple of Christ, you're going to be a servant. You're going to put your own desires and your own preferences and your own Uh, Things aside, that you might meet the needs of other people. That you might serve other people. I I don't believe there's any doubt that Jesus demonstrated what love is. Mm -hmm. Putting others first by serving them. Can you say that that's a characteristic in your life? That others have a significant part of what you do day in and day out because you're trying to serve and labor for them and meet their needs. And again, we can talk about all different types of capacities that may may happen and look, but um, listen, we ought to be servants. So when something needs to be done, you know, sometimes I go through the foyer or even the sanctuary here and there's junk on the floor. Because some people are lazy and they won't take it to a trash receptacle and they just throw it on the floor. Or sometimes by accident, maybe something fell out of your pocket. I'm leaning toward its intentional littering. But nonetheless, how often do we just walk by it and leave it there? Because we're unwilling. Somehow we think we're better than just stooping down and picking up some trash and putting it where it needs to be. And we get critical. Well, I can't believe somebody would do that. Well, there's people that clean the church, so they'll take care of that. Yeah. Whoa. That's not a Christ-like spirit. Christ. The Christ-like spirit is, I'm going to humble myself and get on my hands and knees and scrub the floor if it needs scrub. Yeah. I'm going to clean the skid marks out of the toilet because it's disgusting. Yeah. Everybody's cringing, but those are things that have to take place in this facility. They're the mundane, the menial tasks that oftentimes we feel that we're above. But our Savior washed a couple dozen disgusting feet because he was going to serve. And what does he say? I did this. it. go and do that likewise. You ought to be willing to serve and to labor for one another. Did you ever realize that your needs would be met if we were all doing this? (laughs) But we get so focused on ourselves and we want people to meet our needs and we don't do anything. But if we would just all yield ourselves to the Spirit and yield ourselves to a life of service, all these people in this room collectively would come along each other and support and help each other. Financially, physically, you name it. Whatever area of life we would be have our needs met. God has designed this body to work effectively. It's only when we get in our flesh. Mm -hmm. It's only when we think we're better than we are. That all of a sudden we have problems. And we have this predetermined mindset of how church should look. Mm -hmm. And there are certain people that do certain things. But the reality is we all should be doing all the things. And everything would be accomplished. But you need to be in the Spirit. <laughs> I think that's the, the kicker here. We're not Spirit filled Christians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Listen, love should abound in this place if we're filled with the Spirit. I think it's safe to say this that the fruit of the Spirit equals spiritual maturity or Christ likeness. And so rather than claiming that we're Christ-like, let's just begin acting like it and doing those things that the Spirit leads us to do. Listen, we can quench the Spirit. When God God leads you, the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, do it. Put yourself, put your personal opinions aside. Fruit does not appear instantaneously. I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit is love. Uh, It takes time to grow. The same is true with with our fruit of the Spirit. We've got to nourish it and take care of it. Uh, fruit needs fertilizer, tending, water, and sun uh, to grow best. Uh, and so how does love grow? Well, listen, you need to be in the Word of God. Amen. As new to our babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Listen, but you not only need that, you need to be uh, have a willingness to obey the Word. Be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Yep. We need the Spirit. There is a conflict between the flesh and the Spirit. We see that in... In verses 16 and 17, our flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Listen, we cannot effectively serve one another in our own power. It will not work if you're trying to do it of your own. It's impossible. In and of ourselves, we would what? Bite and devour one another. Verse 15. And he says, rather than do that, walk in the Spirit, in verse 16. we need to be careful. Listen, in order to do this, you need to walk in the Spirit. You need to be enabled by the Spirit. Our congregation should look different. Uh, And our community should know we are the Lord's disciples. This has been such a burden on my heart, and I I don't even know why. Maybe it's because I need to do better in this area myself, but... A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Listen, when people come here we ought to look different than any other church in town because the love of Christ is filling this place. Not because we have some higher standard or we think we're holier than thou but because the love of Christ abounds and we're serving, and we're laboring for one another. And if we would do that, we, the world would notice. Everybody's going to know that we're His disciples. When people come in contact with us, they should see the characteristics of the Spirit. Verses 22 and 23 in this chapter, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Are those the characteristics that people see when they're around us, when they're in our church, or perhaps they see the manifestations of the flesh? For the works of the flesh, or the works of the flesh, which are uh, are manifest, which are these: adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Listen, what do they see when they come in contact with us? If you're walking in the Spirit, they'll see love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And those are the things. Listen, sometimes it can just be a kind word is, is a way that we can serve one another. Just simple encouragement. So as we close this morning, don't forget we were freed to serve. It's not a freedom to do whatever we want. It's a freedom to serve one another and to serve our Lord. And so here's three practical things as we close this morning. Be attentive to the needs of others. Mm -hmm. Don't come in here just worried about what you can get out of it. When we serve one another, it's all about others. Their needs, their desires, their preferences, not yours. Listen, don't forget it's not about you. It's about them. How can you be a blessing to somebody today? And I, I mentioned this earlier, be willing to perform menial or mundane tasks. Our deep desire to serve will cause us to delight in even the most routine, commonplace jobs. I found that to be true in my life. There's so, Sometimes I get so much joy out of the, the most simple, basic thing. Knowing that others are benefiting from it and that I'm serving others. There's nothing that can make you more happy and joyful inside than knowing that you're being obedient to what God wants you to do. (laughs) And so when you just serve in the smallest way, oftentimes you get that blessing. Just being willing to do the, the smallest menial thing. Nothing's out of your scope and nothing's out of your responsibility per se. Listen, our Savior took upon the form of a servant we ought to be willing to do the same. And here we are, serve others cheerfully. Have you ever heard, met the person that's serving in the church and just griping and complaining the whole time? Yeah. Well, somebody's got to do it. Uh, you know, I guess I'll take care of this. Don't be that person. The Bible speaks of us serving wholeheartedly. Colossians 3.23, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Listen, it's not for them, ultimately. You're serving the Lord. There's, don't forget the bigger picture. And serve the Lord with gladness and come before His presence with seeming. Listen, it's all about the Lord. And so as He's called us to serve, don't forget that. Be willing to be a servant and don't forget that you're doing it for the Lord. That will help you be cheerful as you do it. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for this day, Lord. I thank You, Lord, for this lesson. And Lord, I know You've worked in my heart through it and I pray that You just continue to work in my life, Lord, and also those of, that were here today. And I pray that You would help us to be servants. Lord, help us to set aside ourselves, Lord, that we might be a blessing to others. And I pray that you'd use us in a mighty way for the cause of Christ. We'll give you the glory for all of it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.